The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If you're new to church, or even maybe you're here, some people have to be reminded, um, just because you grew up, and they wonder, like, what is a sermon anyway? And like, why, why do I want to hear from you? And I wonder from time to time, and I hope that what I share with you would be helpful. And I found a bunch of metaphors for it this week, but when I was, uh, I was watching uh, a Netflix documentary with Christian, anybody watch this golf, we're golf obsessed right now because he's on the golf team, this uh, documentary Full Swing, right? And it's got these great stories. And even if you don't like golf, I think you'd really like it. And maybe one of my favorites, it wasn't Christian's, but I was really captivated by the story of this guy, Joel Damon. I'm going to be rooting for him. And and he's just a fascinating golfer and he'd been through a lot of trauma. He lost his mom to cancer. He's endured cancer. But part of what made his story really unique was one, uh, he had what you and I have, right? You know, you have, everybody knows they have imposter syndrome from time to time, right? You just live with this, like, if people find out what, how incompetent I am, like, they'll run me off. Like, is there anybody here that doesn't have that? Because you're probably neurotic or something. Like we all do, right? We all face it. Or maybe you've just got more confidence than the rest of us. It, Joel just suffers from it. And one of the things that makes his life better is that his best friend, uh, he hired as his caddy. And I just ended up through this show falling in love with the relationship of a caddy and a golfer. I, I just started to realize like we all need a caddy. Like I've started to realize the people that serve on our board at our church are like a caddy to me. And in many ways, I hope what I get to do for you as a pastor is to be your caddy, to carry your bag and just make the load a little lighter from time to time and to help you like, hey, that putt's gonna break to the right. Like, and if you listen, it, you might sink it, but you probably won't. You'll ignore me and you'll hit it way too, it's downhill and if you, if you hit it too hard, it's not gonna go well. And sometimes you listen and sometimes you don't, but it's not my job to do it. It's my job to caddy you. And today, I've got like the simplest, clearest, but I'm just telling you, if you would let me be your caddy today, some of what I will share with you will invite you into the best life you can have. I mean, really the best life. So this is what uh, an exercise I'd like us to engage in to start. And this takes a little trust, so you don't have to say it out loud. But I would love for you to think in your mind, of your happiest season in life, like the best. The season you were just, wow, life is good. And maybe it's now, I hope it is. And maybe your lowest season in life. Maybe a time you, it, things got really, really dark for you. And if you took some time to go there, and some of us instantly just know, because we know our stories like the back of our hand. What I would propose to you is that for all of us, the happiest time, the best time, was a time that we felt really connected to other people. And we were doing, the, the, this would be the thing that would be common in all of it. We were feeling loved by others and we were loving others. We were serving others and we were feeling served, right? If you got the season where like you're serving and nobody's serving you or vice versa, it just doesn't work, right? And then I would tell you, my guess is that your lowest season was the time you felt lonely, loneliest and most alone and most disconnected. Sean and I have been inviting you and Erica as well will be into the series that we're in this Easter season. We're inviting you to remember 
And it's been fascinating, as Sean reminded me, this word, right, to remember means literally, um, it's the opposite of dismember, right? It's to reconnect. And, and to, so the worst thing you can be is dismembered, right? I mean, that's just, and part of our lives have become so fragmented that, uh, that it's a mess. And what happens is we come to this gathering and we try to put some of the really important pieces back together. And so the invitation in all of this is to remember. And even if you're a pastor, in fact, there's this man, and most pastors would tell you, like, the pastor of all pastors is this pastor named Eugene Peterson. He's just like, he's the consummate pastor. And so when you hear Eugene Peterson say that he struggled with feeling alone or even choosing or wanting to be alone, you realize that it's common for all of us. This is what Eugene Peterson said in a book about this kind of connection. He says, I often found myself preferring the company of people outside my congregation. A lot of pastors do this. I'm lucky that I actually like all of you. Um, Men and women who did not follow Jesus, or worse, sometimes preferring the company of my sovereign self. But soon I found that my preferences were honored neither by scripture nor Jesus. I didn't come to the conviction easily, but finally there was no getting around it. There can't be, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from immersion and embrace of community. And then he says it perfectly. He says, I'm not myself by myself. Community, not the highly vaunted individualism of our culture, is the setting in which Christ is at play. Now, if you're an introvert and you feel averse to this, he's not saying you can't be alone, right? You can and you should be, right? I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I'm just at that introvert line. So after I do this all weekend, like I love to go eat by myself. I, how many of you love to go to the movies by yourself? Anybody else here that just like, I love it. How many of you think that's crazy that we like to go to the movies by ourselves, right? I literally, like if you see me at the movies by myself, the real extroverts will be like, poor Pastor Chris, he's so lonely, right? Go sit by him, let's go sit. Don't sit by me, do not sit by me. I wanna be alone with my popcorn and I might have snuck in wine. You don't know what I've done. I'm capable of all kinds of things at the movies, okay? And I enjoy that time alone. He's not saying you can't be alone, but your life needs to feel connected. If your life doesn't feel connected to other people, you're on an island and everything, everything feels scary and vulnerable. I I was gonna quote you a bunch of these studies, but this is is the the clearest part of it. This is what he said, loneliness, they say, and, and we were just with a friend talking about how powerful and potent loneliness is. This medical study said loneliness is, is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now some of you are like, well, I won't be as lonely if I just start smoking 15 cigarettes a day because there's always somebody to smoke with. Don't do that. But there's this, like, there is this thing that happens in your body when you feel alone and it's not good. Right, Jonathan Hari did a great TED talk, if you want to pull it up, H-A-R-E is his name, and he, this, um, it was on this scientific study that they did where they put rats and mice um, in individual cages, and in the individual cages, they had a choice uh, to choose a drug-laced water or a pure water, and every mouse, every rat chose the drug-laced water in isolation, every one of them. They were high as a kite, rats and mice. They put them in a cage together with the same options. None of them chose the drug-laced water. None of them, not a single one. And he says this, this is his conclusion. He says, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. 
If you've ever been to an AA meeting or a recovery meeting, you know this, that that sense of connection is what leads you towards wholeness and freedom and possibility. I literally never thought this day would come, but I'm gonna quote Hugh Grant in a sermon. <laughs> this is what Hugh Grant said about what it's like to shoot movies uh, currently. And I think it's fascinating. This is what he says. He says, movie sets are so weird now as actors no longer get drunk and fall in love with each other. And you know what he blames it on? Mobile phones. Hugh Grant says, used to everybody went to dinner together and they kind of got raunchy and sometimes things got bad, but they went to dinner together. He said, now they go home and read about each other on Twitter. That these phones that are supposed to make us feel maybe more connected because everybody can have some connection to us actually mean we have such a surface connection, we're connected to no one. And I got to tell you, Ecclesia, one of the best things that happen when we go to the Holy Land is that we join families for a Shabbat meal and we realize that those families put away their electronics for a day and we go like, that's brilliant. We think like, who could ever think of that? Well, God, right? And he gave us a day. This day, your Sabbath day, is a day to connect, right? And it, it doesn't mean that it needs to be a boring day. I, I, we don't actually need to buy into, I don't think all of the rules that Jews have about technology, although they're not bad because they really slow them down, but I'm really looking forward to like going to the Astros with some people today. We're literally going to cram in so much community today. We're going to go from the Astros to a Tim McGraw concert. That's how we're going to do it tonight. And it's going to be with people and people that we love. And it's going to be a really good day. And you go to church and hopefully you eat with people and beautiful things began to happen. Right? The Bible talks to us over and over again about how we treat and deal with one another. In fact, there's so many scriptures, I could hardly begin to quote them. Right? But in, uh, in John 13, it reminds us right, to love one another. Right? In, in Romans 12, to be devoted to one another. In Romans 12, again, honor one another above yourself. Uh, Romans 12, live in harmony with one another, to build one another up, to be like-minded towards one another. In Romans, to, to, to accept one another, to admonish one another, to forgive one another, to be kind and compassionate to one another. In Ephesians, to speak the truth and love to one another. In Ephesians 4, to be patient with one another, uh, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens. It goes on and on and on. The Bible cares a lot about how we treat other people. So if you want to be a Christian, you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, how you treat a waiter or a janitor or your mother or your father, like it actually really matters. And how we treat people that we seek to be close to and live in community, it's really, really important. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says this. The writer of Ecclesiastes, which we believe to be Solomon, the richest, wisest man that ever lived, is writing in some ways a diary. And, and this is what he says, life can be really good, but the hardest thing he ever saw, he says, I observed another example of how fleeting life is under the sun. And under the sun is code for apart from God. He said, there was a person who's all alone. And Ecclesia, if you've ever felt all alone, you know what he's talking about with no child, no sibling. Yet he works hard his entire life till he's never satisfied with the wealth that he or she gains. Does he or she stop to ask, why am I working so hard or why am I depriving myself of life's simple pleasures? This too is fleeting. It's like trying to catch hold of a breath. It's a miserable situation. Then he says this, he says, two are better than one because a good return comes when two work together. If one of them falls, the other one can help him up, but who will help the pitiful person who falls down alone? 
In the same way, if two lie down together, they can keep each other warm. But how will the one who sleeps alone stay warm against the night? And if one person is vulnerable to attack, two can drive away the attacker. As the saying goes, a rope of three strands is not quickly broken. Right? The writer of Ecclesiastes knew, if you want to experience the full life, you've got to lean in towards people, move towards people. And I got to tell you, there are a few things that keep you from doing it. That piece of technology that you often have in your hand is one of them. Anybody been at a restaurant recently and watched a family where literally you went, do they even know that anyone else is at the table, right? Anyone all of a sudden felt like you were that family, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but we... Like we've all been there and we realize there is something magical that happens. At Ecclesia, we say it this way, that we believe it's impossible to hate people that you eat great food with. That if you just sit around the table and you share a great meal, anybody remember the, the last time that you did that? Hopefully it was this week. For us, it was this week that you leave and think, I feel different in my body. My body feels different. I feel connected to the people I ate with. I feel connected to the earth and the food that God made. Right? And some of the things God made for us to eat, right? You just, if I used to tell Ecclesians this, and maybe I'm totally wrong, so if we get to heaven and find out I am, it, it's true at least for me. If I want to know about my spiritual health, you know how I find out fastest? How quick do I eat? When I eat slowly, it usually means that I'm connected to the people around me and I'm actually tasting the food that I eat. And usually for me when I'm tasting and I'm like, wow, God made that? Like that's, that's amazing, right? And if you don't think it tastes that good, just put more butter on it or do some, but it just, it's so good. It's all so, so good. So I got two questions for you and then I wanna invite you into three things. How many of you are here today and you would just say, I really, um, I'm already at a place in life that I have too many true friends. Is there anybody here that's just like, I, I've started to count and I have more true friends than I can, like real true friends. My guess is most of us. Go, I, I could use another really true friend. And by that, you know, you're willing to share things with you walk together through good times and hard times. Because the truth is, if you've got something to celebrate and you've got nobody to celebrate with, it doesn't feel like much of a celebration. And if you've got something to grieve and you've got nobody to grieve with, it's hard to grieve really well. And then secondly, is there anybody here that goes, I've got too many environments in my life currently that nurture true friendship? This is what I propose to you. There are very few environments that nurture true friendship. Most of what you get in business is transactional. Now, if you develop a true friendship that you're in business with, it's because you devoted time to seek out that friendship. It's not because it happens naturally, right? Networking is one of the like worst words in the English language, right? Which is often just like, I want something from you and you want something from me. Now, it may start there, but there is something much deeper and much better. And this is what I've got to tell you. The best thing about the church, and I think particularly like, a church like Ecclesia, where you have the opportunity to truly be yourself and be placed in an environment in a small group with people where you actually can enjoy them. One of the things I've been doing, and I'm gonna be doing more of them. If you want to be connected to a small group, I'm gonna be hosting dinners in my home. And they're, 
profoundly spiritual and the food's really good and the conversation is really good and you get to meet other people. And by the end of it, often people are going, I wanna hang out with these people again. Can we get together next week? And people start to make plans. It's not, just not that hard. If you look down the row, there, you, I know more of you than you may know of each other, but there are amazing people in this room, like really, truly amazing people. And when those people are honest, they're hilarious, they're fun, they will make you laugh and make you cry because we're trying our best to live life together. So three things I wanna invite you to do. If you, and if you're at the end of that and you go, hey, I don't currently have too many true friends and I'm not currently in too many environments that nurture true friendship, I want you to consider an opportunity to connect with the church in a new way. And we got a few options for you, I'll tell you about, that we could do that. But this is, this is the path I'd like you to consider as we do that. Would you take a good hard look at what it means to be a loyal friend? I think one of the best things somebody could say if they got up at your funeral service is to say, she is a loyal friend. And we all know it, right? To have a friend, you have to, you gotta be a friend. The only way to have a friend is to be a friend. And if you don't have those friends, you're like, it's telling me, I'm not really that kind of friend to enough people. And if I will lean in and be that kind of friend to other people, it will change their life. And them being a friend to me will change my life. And the truth is, it's hard to live a really depressed, sorrowful, lonely life if you're truly connected to people. So just be a loyal friend. And that that means, right, that your family is often your family of choice. Some of you are like, I was just born into this and half of them are crazy and I'm gonna love them, they're my family, but I'm gonna choose a family of choice, a, a group of people that I actually am going to eat meals with regularly and connect with and support and love, and that's a beautiful thing. Second, do this, just embrace the moment. And you're, we're often in new seasons of life. We're like, I'm in a new church, this is my new church. I live on a new street, right? then guess what? If you live on a cul-de-sac, those people are gonna be your friends. You're either gonna hate them or you're gonna love them, but you gotta get to know them. Like, you're gonna live there. What does it look like to connect with your neighbors? I live in this building that I thought you could have, you'd look at it just like, who would like, it? we get on an elevator, it's a high rise, it's in Sharpstown. And this is what happens now. They all know I'm a pastor. So people get on the elevator and like, will you pray for this? And I'd be like, yeah, do you, will you make me some Indian food? Because if you will, <laughs> I'll pray and we work out an exchange and we, and we get to know each other and the Colombian grandma makes me arepas and, and, we, and we get to know each other because we live close together. And you know what? People would think like, how did they end up, how did Chris become friends with the Indian guy or the Colombian abuela? Because we, we live close to each other. And so that means we're gonna be friends or we're gonna be enemies, one of the two, but it's usually nothing uh, in between. Embrace the moment of where you're at in life. And part of that is, means being vulnerable. C.S. Lewis says it this way about vulnerability in his book on friendship, The Four Loves. One of the reasons he's the most important theologian of the last hundred years is because he understood the value and importance of friendship. And this is what he says. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrong and possibly broken. If you wanna make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Right? 
Ecclesia. We're made to love. And that means, right? I was with a good friend this week and we just talked about how often we've loved people and just been hurt by that love. And there's a part of you that thinks, I don't know if I want to keep loving that way. I just tell you, we're made for it. Even when it hurts, it's better to experience the hurt because then if you experience the hurt, later on you're gonna experience the joy. But we have to walk into it together and live that kind of beautiful life. And then lastly, just if, if we will seek a process where um, we get to be a loyal friend, embrace the moment where, where you're at in life, and then just see the other. If you will, if you will be willing to see the struggles that other, other people have and have empathy for them, it will change the path of your journey. And they'll realize they have imposter syndrome just like me. They struggle with deep fears and insecurities. And in that place, we get to walk together. I wanna give you just a really simple QR code. And what we have right now is some new opportunities at Ecclesia. Some of them are dinner at my house. Some of them are new small groups. Some of them are chances to serve with the kids. But if you will just scan this QR code or you go 97000. And if you, if you answered both of those questions, like I already have too many friends and I'm already in too many environments that nurture true friendship, then don't scan the QR code. But if you did, I'm gonna suggest to you that maybe cutting fruit with the kids and the parents you might meet as you, that you, you might make a true friend. And you know what? Some of the best friends around here are these little friends. They're awesome. <laughs> they're beautiful and they're brilliant. And you spend a little time with them and all of a sudden you're not as depressed about the things that were bothering you because they're smart and they're creative and they're, they're amazing. Or Choose any of the ones. There will be good options there for you. But as we come to communion, I want to remind you, you're not made to be alone. And if you're in a group of people and you're faking it, you'll still feel alone. Anybody been there? where You, you, tried, you were with a group of people, but you just weren't being honest about it, and you just felt alone. Only two of us, but the rest of you are lying. <laughs> we've, we've done it, and we just know, like, there's something about being with a group of people where I can actually say, these are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things that are good in my life. I want to live in that community, Ecclesia, and I want to live in it with you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.